I'm stressed. I'm stressed. It's that time of year. There are tests coming up. There are very real things. Uh, you're getting into the fall. You're getting close to Christmas, and you're thinking about seeing your family for extended periods of time, and there's stress that's happening all across the room, all across the place. Uh, I want to tell you two stories of stress. One of them, when I was in college, um, it was my final year. It was like the capstone, like the last class that you had to take for my degree. And it's like one of the, the department heads taught this class and it was like everything that you learned culminated in this one thing. And it was like 70% was a presentation and 30% was a paper. Nothing else mattered. You just had to like turn in work ahead of time as you were getting it done. And it was like, you know, you just kind of showed up, did the work and got it done. Well, one girl looked at the syllabus and said, okay, that sounds good. I'm going to piece out of the classes and not show up again. And we all kind of thought, okay, maybe she's like not doing the major anymore. Maybe she dropped out of Missouri State. I don't really get it. Well, we get to the end of the class whenever we start doing our presentations and this girl shows up again. And it was one of those that was just like, I wasn't going to ask her why she was there. I was just going to let this thing play out. And we're sitting there and the professor shows up in his, his MO, he'd walk in the back, it was one of the computer labs at Missouri State, he'd walk in the back and he'd have his stuff and he'd go, okay, we're gonna hear from, from Jared, from Ryan and from Chloe and we're just, and he sits down and this girl stands up and I remember it clear as day because you got to watch her go from like, oh, I'm confidently gonna do a presentation today to complete stress and breakdown. Um, she, she looked over his computer, turned around and said, oh, um, I should be going today as well. And he looked over his computer and he stood up and he says, what do you think you're doing? And you, everybody in the room, I mean, it was silent. I wanted to do what Logan and laugh, but I was like, what in the world is going on? And she was like, well, I was on the original like schedule for today. And like, you could start to see things like kind of crumble right in her, in, her, in her eyes. And you could see the stress enter into her situation. And you were just like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And he goes, what do you think you're doing? And she goes, I thought I was gonna present today. I was on the schedule. He goes, you haven't been here since the first two weeks. She goes, yeah, but I was on the schedule. And I thought, he goes, you haven't turned anything in and you could see well I have my paper done and I'm getting ready to do my presentation and and he's going no he just keeps stonewalling saying no it's not gonna happen no and you get to watch this girl like no well but and she's just crumbling she's trying to find the answer she's trying to find the words and she finally goes well can I talk to you after class like in the hallway and he goes that would be great and then she gathers her things and leaves and goes in the hallway and then he just sits back down and goes Johnny, you're gonna present today. And this dude that normally wore like, you know, Tabasco sweatpants that he got at Walmart was finally wearing like slacks and he was standing up there like, all right, um, <clears throat> I'll uh, give my presentation now. And no one ever knows what happened. She didn't graduate with the rest of us. Uh, we should pray for her. Um, but anyway, that was a long time ago. About the same time, when I was in college, I worked at a bank and um, People come in, you see all different kinds of things with banks and people stress out about money and people, you know, it's one of the things we care about so you stress out about it. And um, this guy came in and, and we got, got word at our branch that he was coming from another branch because he had a, a decent sum of money and he was going around and, and, and getting, collecting all of his money. And the deal with banks is they don't actually carry 100% of what you have um, in the bank. So like the total of, if all of us were at one bank, it's not the total of all of that. They do marginal. So it's like they only have to have a certain percentage across spread across all of the banks. So, you know, one branch might have you know, 10, 15,000. Another branch might have 20 or 30 or 50. So he wanted a large sum of money in cash. 
And they told him, no, we can't do it for you today. So he was going around to this bank and getting what he could from, from this branch and coming and getting this, what he could from this branch. And the word came that he was getting it from our branch. And he came and like we were you know, getting money ready and all this stuff. And it came to light that he was like getting his money out because of this like Mayan calendar thing that was supposed to happen. And he was like a doomsdayer. I don't know if he was going to put it you know, if he was just going to go buy 22 bullets or if he was going to go, you know, bury it or put it under his mattress or buy gold or whatever, but he was getting this large sum of cash and he thought that our branch would have a lot and we, had, we were only able to give him a little less than that. And you want to talk about someone who was stressed. He came in from another stressful situation where he thought he was going to get all of his money. They told him, no, you have to drive around to all of the, the commerce banks in Springfield and get your money at different places. So when he showed up to ours, he was finished. He was done. Dude was real over it. So when he showed up, somebody He's like, hi, sir, how can I help you? And he just lost it, like gave out a guttural yell, scream about, I want my money. And it was just one of those where everybody was like, you are stressed about the world ending. This is a fun thing to watch because nobody else is stressed about it, just you are. But, but one of the funny things about stress is that like stress is such a, a subjective thing. Stress is specific to you. You are stressed about the class that you are in. You are stressed about the things that are specific and unique to you and your situation. And two, you could have two people that are in the exact same situation, the exact same class, and for someone it might be the paper that stresses you out, and for someone else it might be the presentation that stresses you out, and the other person it might be the test. The, 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 the truth is, is that stress is one of those things that is just going to happen. And the Bible talks a lot about stress and worry and anxiety. And those are all separate things. But what does the Bible say about stress? How can we handle it? Because stress is a constant. If you're not stressed about something right now, wait a day, wait a week, and you will be stressed about something. But like what, what happens with stress is that like with growth, and, and, and you guys are post high school, whether that's college, workforce, post-college, like there's all different things that come along with new seasons. And what comes along with new seasons is new stresses. Like you have to think about, okay, I'm moving out of mom and dad's house for the first time. I have to worry about this thing called utilities that I've never had to worry about before. That's called stress. It happens and it's a reality. It's a weight that we wear that is a tension on a task of the things that we have to do. And these things aren't necessarily going to go anywhere. And, and some of the truth is that we live in a world of sin. There's brokenness, there's difficulty, things aren't perfect. Not everything is completely easy. So things are going to happen. Things will worry you, stress you, and make you anxious. Stress is a constant, so how do we handle it? How do we have stress in a way that not just like deals with it, but glorifies God in it? So I only have two points today. I don't really have a verse that I'm landing in. I wanna start with one. This is John 14, 27, and this is when Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit to the disciples and he is explaining what having the Holy Spirit is gonna look like. And this is what he says in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And the thing that I think is so important, it's kind of twofold. It's, it's this peace he leaves with us. And it's not just this generic peace, it's his peace. It's his peace. It's important that it comes from him. It's not just this generic, like, nothing is wrong in the moment so I can be okay. It's like God has given you this peace that comes from him. And then the second thing I, I think is important is it says, not as the world gives. The world is gonna offer a peace that is pretty specific. 
And as I was talking to people this week about it, the more I was realizing like, people consider peace or, or more, more specifically the lack of stress on two ends of a spectrum. Two ends of a spectrum with the lack of stress. One of them is gonna be like, you need to master stress. And that's because we glorify people that grind, right? You look at people on Instagram or Facebook or whatever you follow, TikTok, that like, man, they, they have two workouts a day. They have a side hustle. They've got their own business. They've got so many different things going on that they are just grinding. And they make me feel so bad about sitting down and watching some Netflix. It's like, man, I just feel like a failure for resting after work because of these people's grind. And we glorify it. We say, it's so good. They're so good at it. So I feel like a failure because I'm not at the level of whether you view it as stress or productivity, I think in American culture, we value that. Part of the American dream is achieving all of those things. If, if I'm not better off than my parents, I'm not doing very well. If my, if my house is smaller, if my income is less, then I'm not succeeding. We glorify the grind. You have to be doing something. It's part of the American dream. When I was talking to somebody about this, they were like the difference between European or even third world countries is that like Americans live to work. We want, we want value in our work. We want fulfillment in our work. And other places in the world are like, man, we, we work to live. I work so I can do the things that I love. That's not necessarily what we do in America. We're defined by work. If you're not working a 60 hour work week in your 20s when you're young and unmarried, what are you doing? Why are you taking that weekend off? Why aren't you working a little harder? We glorify the grind. And I think if we're honest, the thing that when I'm looking up stuff about stress, it always, stress leads to burnout. Because when you think about what stress is, it's a weight, a tension, and a task. What happens when you pour on more and more weight? It breaks. When you think about stress in structural things, when you think about these columns that hold up, if we all went and stood on one, I'm not sure that it would be able to uphold everyone in this room because of the stress that's on it, because of the weight, that I'm not sure that we're designed to live glorifying that grind in the same way. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have this attitude that says, if there is something that is stressing you out, if there is something that's not actively bringing you peace and joy and comfort in your life, you get rid of it. You get rid of it. It's not worth it. Is that troubling you? Don't, don't bother with it. Don't, don't, don't. If it's stressing you out, drop it off. If that class is an issue, drop it. If the major seems too difficult, drop it. If that relationship seems like it's, you're giving more than you're taking, Cut that person out. And we live in a culture that glorifies these two things. And, and, and I'll be honest, there are times that you run back and forth from one to the other and you go, man, I, I've, I've, I've been a grinder and I've been lazy and I just don't know where the in-between is of how do I glorify God in my stress? How do I make this good in my stress? The first thing I think you have to do, this is my, this is my first point, is address the stress. You have to address the stress. You have to do an assessment and figure out what is it that's bothering me? What are the things that are like stressing me out? Because I do think that there's an appropriate piece of this that's like, you have to know what it is that's bothering you. You have to know what it is that's bringing you stress. And sometimes you need someone to come in and go, hey, um, it seems like every time we do this activity, it seems like every time you're with this person, it seems like every time this season comes around with work, it's not just that you're stressed because you know, you're doing something big or important. It's like you're stressed and you just, everything changes. You drop off, you're not with people anymore. You're not around, you're not the same person. You're not outward focused seeing people the way that God would see them. You, you turn into, because what happens in stress? What happens in stressful situations is you start to see tunnel vision. You don't see the situation that arounds you and you end up 
up not seeing the situation that you're in clearly because you have tunnel vision on that one issue. Because if I don't zero in on that problem, I won't handle it well. And then what happens is we let a lot of things fall off to the side. And that can happen in a relationship, that can happen financially, that can happen um, with friends, that can happen with family, that can happen with so many different things. It can happen when you have tasks at work or at school, you start to zero in on it and you start to forget everything else. What are those things that you would say you have zeroed in on? What are those things that you would say, what, they, what are they that stress you out? Because if we don't know what it is, we can't do anything about it. I'm not going to read the entire um, um, passage, but I, I just want to bring uh, a verse to your mind that if you're dealing with stress, this is a good piece of it. It's, uh, it's, it's Exodus 18. And in Exodus 18, God has brought um, the Israelites out of Egypt. Things are going well. They're, 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 they're free from, from their bondage. And Moses is... Uh, he sent away his wife and his kids to be with his father-in-law. And what's, what's happening is that he's waking up in the morning and he's helping the people. He's judging. He's, he's helping their issues and then helping them understand and apply God's law and his word to their issues. And he's doing this, what the Bible says, from the time he wakes up in the morning to the time he goes to bed at night. The dude is grinding. The dude is working hard. And it says that, that his father-in-law shows up with his family and says, hey, how's, how, how are things going? And he's like, honestly, he's like, man, God, you, you, God did such great things. Things are going well. And then it says that his father-in-law, his name Jethro, watches him and sees that he is working from the moment he wakes up to the moment that he goes to bed. And he, here's the tough part of this, is he's doing a thing that is good. And a lot of us will have something that is good, but we will end up running our tank empty doing that good thing. So it says that Jethro saw him and said, what you're doing is not good. And he's not talking about the actual activity of helping people see and understand God's word better and applying it to their lives. What he tells him to do is you need to find good, able men and appoint them to be over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens so that they are able to do that and you help lead as they lead. And what was happening in that situation that you find out is that Moses goes and does that, that there are able men around him that are capable of doing that, but he's overlooking them. And we don't know if that was like a, he just enjoyed the feeling of being the guy who was needed. Like sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it feels good to be the person that people go to, but we look over a lot of God's wisdom in order to make ourselves feel that way. We don't know if he just like didn't trust these people fully. We didn't know if because he was leading them out of exile that he was like, I have to be the guy. But his father-in-law showed up and was like, man, this is, and what it says is like, you've got to do this so that you can endure. And the, the, the truth is, is that God doesn't want you to just be a, a flash in the pan, a quick success. Like, man, things went really good with him serving God for 18 months and then he fell off the map. God wants you to live your entire life with some longevity with some equal parts of rest and working hard. Because as I'm putting this together, uh, this talk, I'm, I'm realizing that like, I don't know that what God has, it talks about the peace of God that is different from the world's peace. And I don't know that it's like somewhere in the middle or this balance. I think it's this reliance on the spirit of God to know that, man, in this season, in this moment, in this next eight days, in this next eight months, I can do this for God right now. So I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to be obedient. That we can all do that. 
We can, but we have to assess. We have to figure out, okay, what are the things that are stressing me out? And sometimes you need a person on the outside to come in and help you. The second piece that goes with this is in Galatians 6. If you've never read through Galatians 6, it's such a helpful verse, but this was such a helpful thing to me. Galatians 6, 2 says this. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What that's talking about is that there are going to be seasons and things. When it says burdens, what it means is boulders. That's the word picture. There are going to be situations that you have in life. You're going to have a family member die. You're going to, have, you're, you're going to get married. You're going to have things happen that you're like, man, it seems like the world stops. And you don't know how to, how to move forward because this boulder is in your way. You get a diagnosis. You get your heart broken. You have different things that happen that you're like, man, I don't know which way is up. This is what the Bible calls us to do and help people with their burden, with the thing that they can't handle themselves. But then in verse five, it says this thing that for a long time I was like, I'm not ever gonna talk about that in front of people because I don't know what it means because it sounds like very similar language. Because in, in Galatians 6, 5, it says, for each will have to bear his own load. So th there's two different terminologies there. We help each other with burdens and boulders, completely difficult situations that we can't handle on our own. But then a, a load is a backpack. A load is a thing that we handle on our own. At a certain point, those boulders get broken down with the help of people and we carry them ourselves. Maybe you, were, you had a very difficult situation when you were younger. That, that has maybe turned into something that you need the help of people to deal with, but now it's something that you carry yourself. I'll give this example. This is a very real life example. My wife and I have had three kids and our church does such a great job. It's such a cool thing. They'll do a meal train where like people will sign up and bring us meals or give us gift cards so that we can, you know, do Uber Eats or whatever. Like it's just DoorDash, it's awesome. But it's great because for like two weeks after you have a kid, you don't know what time it is. Like, I don't know how they design hospitals, but there's like never a window in sight whenever you have a child. And you don't know if it's 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. You don't know if it's noon and you should be hungry for lunch or if it's dinner time. You, you just have no idea. So you get out of the hospital and they don't like, they don't give you like a book that tells you how to take care of your child. They just make sure they're comfortably and safely in their car seat. And then they go, see ya. Like they don't, there's no class. And you just, you just have to trust that you are capable of keeping this child alive. And you get there and it's like, they don't know how to eat. They don't sleep well. They just scream for no reason. And they're just this kind of little lump of human that you're supposed to keep alive. And you, and you do it, it's great. But you're like, it's a boulder. You have no idea what time it is. And you get through the day and you're like, it is 9 p.m. and I haven't eaten anything. But luckily, someone brought food to my house. Why? Because they were helping with that load. They were helping with things in a season. That you're going to have things that happen in a season that are going to be stressful. That's just the realities of life. Bolder things are going to happen. And that's why we do things like groups so that people that know you, that can help you with the boulders of life. And some of those things are, are emotion. Some of those things are trauma related. But the reality is, is those boulders get broken down and they turn into a load. Now we have a six, a four, and a two-year-old, it would be inappropriate for me to just like put out to some people that put those meal trains together and go, hey, looking for dinner tonight, anybody have anything? Like, waiting for it. We, people are nice, but we'll, we'll be waiting for it. Why? Because that boulder turns into a load that I can carry. It's something that I understand and know how to deal with. And that's true of stress too. 
there should be a pattern of things that as we assess them, you might not know how to deal with the things that you went through as a child. And that is okay. And sometimes it takes the eyes of someone who's an outsider to help you see those things. I have family members that people were in Bible studies with that someone looked at them and said, hey, I, after the Bible study, they said, hey, you, you might be depressed. They said, oh, I never thought about that before. So they went to a doctor. And it helped them see the tendencies and things that were going on in their life so that they could deal with the stressors that they have. We need outside people to help us see those And then we need to learn to walk with some of those stressors. Because the reality is, if our goal is to either master our stress and just live where we are making it happen for ourselves, or if we are removing all stressors, we're not going to do it. If you try to remove all the stress in your life, you're going to end up trying to live alone in a cabin somewhere where no one's ever going to bother you, and you're going to have a completely different set, set of stress in your life than normal. We have to learn to deal with our stress, and we'll get to what that looks like in just a moment, but I feel like one of the pieces of dealing with our stress is Romans 3.23, that we have to acknowledge that we bring sin into the the, the scenario. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The reality is, is that our world is broken and we are broken people. As long as I am a part of something, I am going to bring stress into something. Why? Because I bring in my attitude. I bring in my thoughts. I bring in my preconceived notions. I bring in whatever I'm going through that day, to a situation. So there's going to be some amounts of stress. And we have to address the fact that not just that there's going to be stress, but like, I'm a broken person. You're a broken person. And that's why God died on a cross for you. Not to just make your life a little less stressful. Not to just make your life a little cleaner and easier, but to make your life so that it glorifies God because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. So what do we do with our stress? Like how do we actually start to handle it in a way that makes sense? How do we start to make those things that are just going to happen, the relational stress, financial stress, familial stress, all those things, how do we start to turn those things to where they start to make sense so that we start to handle them well? And that's my second point, that we need to let stress lead us to God. And more importantly, not just lead us to God, but lead us to surrender to God. Because I think sometimes we show up to God and I have this problem and I'm like, God, all right, here's this issue. Like, fix it, deal with it. And sometimes God is like, well, you are having a terrible attitude about this stressor. You're having a terrible attitude about this situation. And it doesn't lead me to surrender the issue. It leads me to be arrogant, upset, prideful about the issue and not asking God for help. That there should be this attitude of humility. It should lead us to this surrender of God. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do about this. This was such a hard message to put together because I'm like, what does the Bible say about stress? Because stress is the, the, the weight and the tension of the, of the tasks that are on us. And sometimes those weights and tensions don't just leave. Sometimes, and as I was reading the Bible and trying to figure out like, what does the Bible say about stress? The Bible is filled with situations and people that had difficulty. Because when we talked about how new situations, new things lead to new stress, new obedience to God leads to new stress. There are things, I remember talking with people in our community about, man, if I follow Jesus, if I get baptized, if I start doing this, if I start this new obedience, 
I'm gonna have to talk to my parents about this and it's just gonna be messy. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be difficult. Our new obedience to God will lead to new stress. And if we just leave it there, we'll miss it. We'll miss what's so important. This obedience that God calls us to, a lot of times we end up not doing it because we see the stress that comes along with it. But the good news is, is that God is waiting on the other side, helpful, bringing us along. Isaiah 43, 2, I read this two weeks ago, and I read the first three verses, but I want to read just Isaiah 43, 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. God doesn't say, hey, if you follow me, everything will be clean and easy and stress-free. That's not what he says. When you read through the Bible, you start to see how following God sometimes seems like it adds stress. So when we look at the Bible and our, and our, our relationship to stress, we have to acknowledge, like, we have to learn to have our stress lead us to deeper surrender because there are gonna be situations that because we're obedient, it leads us to a new stress and we have to take that stress that's coming along with that obedience and say, God, I don't know what to do with this stress. It's not clear what I should do. God, I'm showing up to you in humility, in surrender saying, God, you have to handle this because I don't know how. And a lot of times it looks like laying down your pride, laying down your preference, laying down what you would rather have, laying down the perception of what happens around you, what people see you as, laying down, I mean, even just to think about the obedience that God calls us to with our time and our finances and serving, it's not a fun idea for a 20-something-year-old to do. But he calls us to something greater I think about people in our community that their goal when they graduated college all the way through was to go find that job, to make six figures, to go be a partner in a couple of years. And then I think about those people that went, I'm gonna stick around Springfield a little bit longer. And not that Springfield is the thing. Sometimes it's just, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do what God's called me to because of his working in my life. And it means less money. It means a different perception from their family when their family always expected them to go and make money. We paid for college and now you're gonna do what? You're gonna work two part-time jobs for what reason? But our obedience leads to these new stresses and these new stresses have to lead us back to a surrender. The same surrender that brought us to God in the first place. That stress that we felt in our hearts of, God, I'm broken, I need you, I don't have another option. God, it has to be you. I have to confess Jesus with my tongue and believe him in my heart to save me. It has to be the same surrender. I think about what the Bible's filled with of people that said yes to God and showed up and said, I'll do it. God, I don't know how it's gonna end. And it meant more stress, but it meant that they glorified God in their situation and it led to deeper surrender. I'm gonna read some of these stories, not verbatim, but I wanna tell you about some of these stories. Noah, was a man who loved God. And God came down and told him, it's going to rain, which if you read Genesis and Exodus, it hadn't rained to that point. So God is telling Moses, hey, in years from now, it's going to do something it's never have. Water's gonna come from the sky and not from the ground. It's gonna be wild. 
and I'm gonna save you and your family, so build a massive boat. So he starts doing it. It takes him years to build. And it says that people ridiculed him. He went through the stress of ridicule. He went through the physical stress of difficulty for the sake of honoring God, for the sake of glorifying God, for the sake of obedience. Think about Job. Job, if you've never read through Job before, it's wild. The beginning of Job, there's this, there's this counsel, there's this Satan goes to see God. And God is like, Satan, have you thought about my guy, Job? He's awesome. He loves me. And Satan goes, no, he doesn't love you. He loves that you've blessed him. Take away all of his things and then see if he still blesses you. So he one by one takes things away. And Job still says, I'm sad, I'm hurting, things are painful, but I still wanna honor God. And then on top of things being taken away from him, Job goes to his three friends and his wife and his wife tells him, the person who's closest to him says, curse God and die, Job. This is awful. And he still honored God. And he said things like, should we not take the bad from God as well as the good? He had stress, but he also honored the Lord in his surrender. Think about Daniel. Daniel was someone who loved God and was very devoted to God and disciplined. And he, he prayed every day. And one of the king's men that didn't love him said, went to the king and said, hey, if you go and say, if anyone prays to anyone but you, they should be, they should be punished. And the king kind of uh, ignorantly said, yeah, that sounds like a great rule. So this person that wanted, David, wanted Daniel to be had kind of went to him and said, hey, this guy's praying three times a day. We knew when and where it happened. And Daniel probably knew about the law and he still chose to be obedient to God. And then he had this stressor of being arrested, of having the public ridicule, of being someone who was in favor with the king, but now was being arrested. And the the stress that was brought into his life was that he got pushed into a lion's den, which was essentially a death sentence. But in his stress, in his difficulty, was a situation where the king opens the pit at the end of the time that was allotted and said, surely your God is good because this stress has not broken you. His obedience led him to stress that led him to surrender. Earlier in the story of Daniel, they still tell the story of his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it was a similar situation. There was this law that was passed that if you don't bow down to this idol of the king, you would be killed. And these three guys, in in a multitude of people, in basically a worship service to this idol, everyone bows down to this idol, and these three guys in the back say, no, we only bow to God, and this was essentially a death sentence. So they get rounded up, they show them the furnace, and they say, this is where you go if you don't go ahead and bow. And they went ahead and they said, make it hotter. And the guys that were making it hotter died because of how hot it was and they were outside of it. And these guys walk in and it's the same story as Daniel. Their punishment, their difficulty, their stress brought glory to God because people looked and said, there's not three guys in there, there's four because God was in there with them. Sometimes our stress will bring glory to God. And sometimes our stress is more than we want to bear because we're afraid of it. I think about the New Testament. 
And you hear that a lot of uh, the New Testament was written by a guy named Paul. When you read the New Testament, there, there's this, this movement in Acts of what the early church is doing. And there's this guy named Stephen who was an administrator who wasn't that important in the church, but he's just preaching and he's just meeting people and he's just preaching how good God is. And eventually the people are so angry. It says that they gnashed their teeth together and plugged their ears because they were so tired of hearing what he had to say that they started to stone him and started to throw stones at him and kill him. And as he's doing that, he's saying, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he's echoing what Jesus said. And it says that as he's dying, he's looking to heaven and a light came upon. I mean, in his stress, because of obedience, he has this surrender. And it doesn't say that this is connected, but it says that Saul, who became Paul, was there in attendance. And I don't know how you could watch that situation happen and not say there's something different about these people that follow this Jesus. In chapters, chapters later, you have Saul walking on this road and God meets him in this miraculous way and he goes blind and they say, go meet this man Ananias. And this man Ananias here is go meet this guy Saul. And, Saul, and this guy Ananias was like, wait, is this, is this the Saul I know that I've heard of who's essentially a terrorist who kills Christians, imprisons them? And God's like, yep. And he says, invite him into your home. And Ananias, in all of this craziness, accepts this stressor, accepts this difficulty and brings him into his home and loves him and cares for him when the rest of the world said that he should be his enemy. And Ananias got to be a part of a story that was his obedience, small piece, but it led to this story of stressor because of obedience, surrender, and God being glorified. We don't worship Ananias, we worship that God brings together people that should be enemies. And then one of my favorites is in Joshua, Joshua 1. And what you see in Joshua 1 is that, and, and I, I'm, I'm gonna read it because I think it's, it's, it's almost funny. Uh, in Joshua 1, Moses has just died. I'm gonna read it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Thank you for the clarity on what's going on, God. Appreciate it. Thank you for helping me address and assess the stress in my life. But then he goes on in the rest of the chapter to say, hey, you will lead the Israelite people to something that is way better and way greater than Moses ever got to. And it's not because of him, it's because of God. And the phrase that he keeps saying in Joshua 1 he says it in Joshua 1, 9. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That God doesn't look at someone in the middle of their stress. He doesn't look at someone in the middle of their difficulty and say, hey, it's all inside of you. You've got everything that it takes to succeed. He looked at Joshua and said, you can be strong. You can be courageous. You can withstand this stress, not because of anything but me. And that's what we have to rely on. In the story of Gideon, this guy is a coward. He should be at war and he's hiding. And the angel of the Lord steps up to him and says, Gideon, mighty man of valor, you warrior. And Gideon's like, who? Hold up. And he repeats it. He's like, Gideon, my guy. 
And he tells him that it's not because of his ability and his great leadership. He doesn't say that, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. He said, I will be with you as you go and you will go and do my good as you go. And then later he's leading this army of 22,000 people. And it says that they're by a river. And it says so clearly, it says, God looked at the people and said, if they win with this amount, they will take the glory. And God says, he cut the group in half. He said, if you're scared, you can go home. And then he said, go to the river and drink a certain way. And the people that don't drink that way, send them home. And it whittles the group down to 300 men. And God says, now they'll go and they'll fight and they'll beat this big army. And they'll have to say it was the Lord. God will give you more than you can handle so that he can say, it's me, it's not you. And that's where Paul said, I will boast in my weakness because when he is strong, when I'm weak, he is strong. And sometimes in our stress, we have to say, it's about God and his goodness, it's not about me. Um, I talked today uh, to Michaela Fry. Um, Michaela has been part of our community. She went to BBC, um, but Michaela is gonna go be a missionary to Kenya. And I asked her, I was like, how did that start? And she said, I took this mission trip to Kenya six or seven years ago, and I kind of thought maybe that was gonna be the case. So I kind of started like thinking about it, praying about it, doing some things towards it. She said, a couple of years later, I went to Kenya again, and it was like confirmed, I, I should go. And she said this whole time she was like, she was serving, she was in community. And she said, she got back and she explained to the people around her, like, this is what God has for me. And she was like, that was the easiest part because then it meant I need to go and start doing the work that it takes to get to Kenya as a missionary. And she got her degree as a nurse. She could probably go make way more money than she is going and asking people for money so that she can go and be a missionary to Kenya. She said there are times that it's lonely, that it's difficult, that it's hard. Those are stressors. But I said, what makes it worth it, those lonely and difficult and hard moments? She goes, when I get to start doing the thing that God has called me to, I would do those things 10 times because God's called me to it. It's what he made me for. And I think sometimes we look at that big end goal. For you, it might not be being a missionary to Kenya. It might be being a light to the people around you. It might be a small piece of obedience that God's called you to today and right now. And we go, it's not worth it. And we miss what it is that God's called us to. And I don't wanna look back at the end of my life and go, I quieted that voice of God telling me, showing me, helping me see who he is, that, who, who he wants me to be, what he's calling me to be because of my comfort, because I don't like stress, because I don't want those things in my life. Instead, I wanna assess God, what is the stress that you're calling me to? What's the stress that I'm including that doesn't need to be in my life? And what's the stress that I need? Because this stress is gonna glorify you. This stress is a, is a way to get to the place that you have for me. So God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be happy about it. I'm gonna tell people around me, hey, I'm gonna go through this and it's gonna be difficult. So when I have a bad day, I'm gonna ask you, hey, will you tell me why I'm doing this? Because I need that support, I need that help. And let our obedience that leads to stress and leads to difficulty lead us back to a place of surrender to God and say, God, it has to be you. It can't be in my own power. I can't do it by myself. 